0: I had a hat with a button on it, and then the landing was a little hard. With the landing, I hit my head against the canopy at the top, and the button of the hat uh, cracked the canopy.
1: Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilots podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. I am your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 63. Welcome back to Soaring the Sky. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We do have another great guest on the way for you in a minute. But I want to send out a big thank you to our new Patreon pilot, Ryan Trudeo. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast. And thank you also to our other Patreon patrons who continue to support the podcast. If you like to do that, you can go to patreon.com slash soaringthesky. This episode is sponsored by the Southern California Soaring Academy, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the high desert of Los Angeles County. Soaring Academy is dedicated to growing the sport of soaring with young people through its 8th grade STEM outreach programs and giving back to PTSD afflicted veterans during private monthly events. Flight lessons and mountain soaring are available year-round to the general public, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. To learn how you can get involved, check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Soaring Academy or online at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. Our guest today, originally from Istanbul, but has been calling Berlin home for the past 14 years, is a member for the FCC Berlin, and he considers himself lucky to be in such a great region with some great stories thermal flights, and some great infrastructure where big competitions have been held, including the WGC and German nationals that have been organized. There are clubs and pilots from all over Europe. He is excited he's been able to get to meet a lot of those people. He counts himself a beginner, obtaining his license in 2018. However, he is a very enthusiastic cross-country pilot, eager to learn more, of course, and fly more. His longest flight so far was a 400 kilometer in an LS4, which happens to be also his favorite glider. He's a software engineer by trade and has been working on an iOS app to make preparation for cross-country flights easier called Offwind. And he's going to tell us more about that as well. So join us now for another great guest here on Soaring the Sky. Ingen Kurutepa, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you today. How are you?
0: Um, Great, Chuck. Thanks. Uh, It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining me today. Now where are you flying out of?
0: Uh, I'm based in Berlin and I fly out of Lusse, which is about forty five minutes drive south of Berlin, so like towards Leipzig.
1: Now how's the terrain there as far as soaring goes?
0: Oh, it's very flat. So we only have thermals. The area around south of Berlin is very sandy. So when the sun is shining there's not much humidity in the ground, so the thermals start quite quickly. Oh very nice. But we don't get like very high cloud bases usually. The highest I've seen so far is about 2,000 meters, 2,200 meters.
1: Now, when did your aviation adventure begin?
0: You know, I'm one of those, I was like one of those little kids who always like loved planes and had like plane posters hanging in their room. But I'm from Istanbul originally. So in Istanbul, Turkey, there's not much of an aviation culture. There's almost no private flying only only people who are like very rich could afford that, and there was like no soaring at all. And then I moved to Berlin for my PhD and job, and kind of forgot about all this. And then 2013, a friend of mine from San Francisco comes to visit Berlin and says, "Hey, I'm a pilot. I'm a like glider pilot. Do you know any glider ports nearby? Can we go and check them out?" I was like, oh, I don't, but that sounds like a fun thing to do. So we googled a bit and then found the club where I'm at right now, the FCC Berlin and then we just drove out and then wanted to say hi and it turns out the weekend where we were there august 2013 they were holding the german nationals they were like very busy there's a lot going on in the glider port and say hey that's great but we're busy now so you can like hang around you can look but please come sometime in september if you want to fly and then that's what we did so um that's how i started i decided quickly to, yes, I want to do this. I want to start my training. I want to get the license. And uh, so 2013, I started, I guess, the last day of 2013 season, I was scheduled to go solo. But then it was such a windy day. The instructor then said, like, no, no, that's not a good idea. So let's let's wait for the next season. So I soloed in 2014 and, yeah, tried to fly as much as I can. But then uh, we had a baby. And kind of uh, flying took second seat. I had to pause my training for a while. And then finally, 2018, uh, I got my uh, glider license and um, now I'm enjoying it a lot.
1: So, how was that check ride?
0: Oh, the check ride was different than I expected, to be honest, because the way it happens is like you apply for a check ride and the uh, authority, aviation authority here, assigns you to a certain, like, um, what do you call it, check pilot, or like the examiner? And then uh, a few people from my club had the same examiner a few weeks before. and said, oh, he's great, it's gonna be easy, he's like very chill, very cool, it's, it was great fun. I was like, okay. And then uh, I take the same uh, check ride on that morning. Uh, some people from the club told me, oh, he's known to be very strict. Oh, poor you, that's going to be a tough ride. I was like, oh, but, but the other people said something else. So what do you, so I was like pretty really confused when I started the check, right? But in the end, it went quite good, I guess. And then, I mean, I got the license in the end, so it must have gone well. But he um, also asked me to, to do things which I was not expecting. Uh, but um, we did four, four takeoffs, and one of them was like a longer flight with thermal, thermaling and stuff. He asked me to slip a lot, so he uh, I had to like show him different variations of slip work more, where you bank more or bank li- less, and uh, sometimes it almost felt like uh, almost like an aerobatic uh, check ride. Oh, nice! Yeah, that was fun.
1: So, where did you go from your check ride?
0: Oh, that was like the end of 2018 season. And then uh, I was like, okay, that was a good end to the season. So I started waiting for 2019, the summer. And then um, I tried to fly as much as I can. And then I tried to uh, fly longer distances because before you're allowed to take your check right in Germany, you have to finish, like fly at least 50 kilometers one way. Uh, before your instructor allows you, hey, you're good to uh, take your check right. And then you, uh, I guess the instructors usually try to uh, send you off to places where you're not certain that you land, so because they also want you to have the experience of outlanding on your own. And this whole thing, uh, I really enjoyed it. So uh, that was like one of the days where the weather was not very strong. And, but uh, the instructor told me, this way, go 60 kilometers that way and try to land there if you can, or like if you can come back, then come back. And it was really a tough flight going there because the thermals were very weak and was against the wind, but then during the flight, the conditions got better. And then when I, was, when I reached the point, I was, it was really fun, and so I just like flew uh, back and landed, and I realized how much fun that is uh, going cross-country, going longer distances, and uh, I tried to do more and more of that. The way uh, it works in our club is you have a progress. I mean, even though legally with, a, with your uh, license, you can fly any plane you want, any glider you want, inside the club to be able to like fly some certain club gliders, you have to have uh, flown certain distances. So you can take the ASK-21 or the GROP-102 Astia uh, cross-country, right when you begin, but then let's say if you want to take the LS4 uh, cross-country, you must uh, complete 150 kilometers FAI uh, tri- triangle, for instance, and then there's always this progression, so you have to like complete a bigger triangle to be able to uh, fly a better glider uh, cross-country. So I started filling these kilometers to uh, start flying better gliders.
1: Did you train in the 21?
0: Yeah, we have two 21s, which we use for training in the club.
1: And what are you flying right now?
0: Um, Last season, most of my hours were in an LS4. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I really like that ship because I'm pretty tall. I'm almost six foot five, one meter 94, 95. And for instance, I hate the Astier because I just don't fit in it. I just like very tight. And the LS4 feels very comfortable, and it also flies really well. I think I really like that ship.
1: Now, are, are you doing a lot of winch launches? At-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we almost exclusively do winch launches at the club. I don't even have what do you call it the the the, the right to do aerotope.
1: Have you had any scary winch launches?
0: I'm thinking not really. Um, I think I was lucky. Like the the only one that I can remember from like where it was like, it wasn't really dangerous, but it was unexpected is it was like my first start, first winch lounge with a discus. And then um, the winch pulls. So we start rolling. I start rolling and it just, just like takes off the, uh, takes off the ground. And then just before, just when I start to like start pulling, I realize suddenly all the pull is gone. The winch is not pulling anymore. I just like ejected, not ejected, I aborted and just landed straight. So, but that's the only thing I can remember as like a, remarkable winch launch.
1: Do you remember what your altitude was?
0: Oh, it was pretty low. It was like definitely below 50 meters. It was just, we had just started, it, the winch had pu- started just pulling and the, 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 the disc was just left the ground and then then it was gone. Maybe, maybe 10, 20 meters, 30 maximum.
1: So straight ahead, back down and you're good.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have like uh, the story, uh, the club has a very big um, strip. So the club is located where it was East Germany before. And then the airfield that we're using used to be an emergency landing field for uh, Russian mix. So it's uh, 1.3 kilometers uh, in length and 600, 700 uh, meters in width. So it's a big area. So we usually we can usually land just uh, straight ahead.
1: Oh, good place to train then. You have plenty of room.
0: Oh, yeah, we have a lot of room. That's so it's a great place to uh, train.
1: Any strange experiences while in, in the cockpit, things you've seen?
0: Um, one thing that, because you asked about my, the winch lounge, but I, I had like one landing where it was, uh, actually I had two landings where if they were remarkable, maybe I can mention them. One of them was before I had gotten my license, I was like one of my first flight with the Austria Grob Astria, and then I had a hat with a button on it. And then the landing was a little hard, and then because I'm so tight in the cockpit with the landing, I hit my head against the canopy at the top. And the bottom, uh, the, the button of the hat uh, cracked the canopy. Oh. Uh, this, yeah. And I, I was very lucky that I have a thick head because it could have just like cracked my skull as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so that's like one remarkable landing that I had. And the second one was um, I was coming in from a, very, from a long flight uh, with the LS4. It was near Stuttgart. We were visiting another uh, club in Stuttgart, and I declared my landing. I said my intention is like I I intend to land long and pack the glider off for the day because it was like it was five p.m., maybe a bit later than five p.m., so it was a kind of late. And then uh, I got the okay. Okay, let's do that. And then I was just on the final, getting ready for a a long uh, landing so that I uh, stop at the end of the airfield. And then suddenly in, uh, in the radio, somebody calls me, Hey Engin, uh, yeah, we would like to fly with the plane. So can you please land short? Then I just reacted. I just like pulled out all the spoilers and started slipping and basically bled all the energy quickly and landed and only afterwards i realized that was the wrong thing to do because i was already set for my final i already had uh, the long landing and like stopping at the end of the field in my head that was like what i was imagining and suddenly like changing the plan and doing this like much steeper landing with like bleeding all this energy it went all fine but I thought that was the wrong decision at the time to do. I should, should have just like stuck to my initial decision. And if somebody wants to fly with the plane, we could have just like towed it back to the start with a car. Yeah, that was like the second more remarkable landing.
1: So have you experienced landing out yet?
0: Um, it's part of the training. So I landed out only once so far with an instructor. And the good thing is the area where we fly, our home field is uh, very flat and the fields around there are also like pretty large. So it was very, very okay. It It was a good experience, but it was not scary at all. But I still have not landed out on my own yet. Do
1: you have a lot of areas that you can land out that makes it less difficult or the other way around?
0: Oh, no, we have a lot of areas where we can land out there, like a lot of big fields. It's like flat everywhere. There are like some forests, but not that many.
1: We will get right back to our guest, but right now our safety soaring segment with one of our previous guests, Luca Bertozio. Take five minutes,
0: relax. Just take that time for yourself to think about what happened if I break the rope on takeoff. If... Uh, windstorm coming or if uh, anything take five minutes analyze what you can and then relax and enjoy the thing because you already pass into your brain your actions your you know automatic motor programs that you're going to activate in case of any problem
1: if you'd like to check out more of Luca's conversation with us, check out the episode The Air and a Pair of Wings. If you'd like to sponsor our safety soaring segment, get a hold of me at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Now back to our guest. So what weather products do you use before you go soaring? What are your favorites?
0: So um, this, is, this was like one of the things that I struggled with when I started cross-country flying because the whole thing, you are so dependent on the weather and it really makes the difference if you hit good weather and or bad if you come back home or land out. And besides that, the weather is not the only thing, right? So you also have to, the area where we're flying, it's not too bad, but we have a bunch of like air spaces around some restricted zones, uh, military zones and things like that. And sometimes they turn off for the weekend, but some weekends they're on, they're active. So this is all part of this flight planning. And at the beginning, I, I found it really hard because you have to check different websites for this and they're all different. And in the club, we always have this like all desktop machine with the browser window open to those. So you have to go and like uh, talk also with the other people, other pilots who are planning their cross-country flights who are more experienced than you, which is also a good experience, just like uh, have this exchange with them. Hey, what do you plan to do today? Do you know about this restricted area? Is it active or deactive? And this is not an experience, but it's really hard to get all this information in one place. So I asked around as well what other people do, and it seems like that's what everybody does. Nobody was able to give me a better answer. And at the club, we use... The German weather service, DWD, for looking at the weather and then planning our days. Um, a lot of the people also use uh, Top Meteo uh, because these are two big German uh, services. And uh, SkySight is getting more popular as well. Um, so that's like this is a mix uh, that I use. I use uh, DWD, the German weather service, and SkySight. And because of this, all this complex. Information sources. You have to open this website and this page, and um, etc. I decided to build something myself. So I'm a software developer by trade. I've been building apps, and I'm working on an app where you get weather data from Skysight, uh, already preloaded with the relevant airspaces around you, and uh, access to the no-time information almost globally. And then so that you, ta- you can use this like one thing either on your iPhone, on your iPad. To really plan out your day at, in the morning and then first increase your flight safety because you have like better awareness of what's going on which area is active which area is not active and where the good weather is so that you can both fly safer and also hopefully fly longer distances and have more enjoyable less stressful flights
1: oh very nice so not only the weather but also the airspace and whether it's open and you're able to fly in it
0: yeah yeah because that's the thing that as a beginner because we just started cross-country A year ago so I still consider myself a beginner and this is like what I struggle the most with especially if you're uh, not in your own club maybe somewhere else I had situations where a few of us uh, were planning flights together and we all uh, took out our smartphones and everybody opened another page uh, like notams and air spaces and weather uh, forecasts and like three phones side by side and trying to make sense of all of it and then open also the paper chart and like put everything on top it was a mental overload thing right so it's uh, so that's why i decided to build this thing where you have everything in one place you don't have to like overlay information on your head but we have these like magical computers in our pockets like let them do the hard work for us
1: right (laughs) exactly (laughs) And so much more convenient too. You know, just grab your phone and all that info is right there, and you're ready to fly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. So because of this uh, coronavirus situation, in at least in our in my region of Germany near Berlin, uh, there is no flying right now. So we are grounded. So I have not been able to use my own app for really planning a day yet. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to things getting slowly back to normal. So we get back into the sky and i can use my own app
1: well maybe we can include a link in the show notes i'm not sure if you're ready to release that yet but
0: um oh uh yeah that will be awesome it's it's called aufwind so aufwind.app a-u-f-w-i-n-d.app uh the website is already there the app is getting close to release and you can leave your email there if you're an iphone or uh ipad user for uh to register as a beta tester and i'm like these days i'm really sending out a lot of beta invites because i really want people especially the ones who are not grounded uh use the app and give me feedback
1: great we will definitely do that then i'll put that in the show notes all right thank you so can you tell me about your cross country you mentioned it briefly but how's that going and what is maybe the furthest you ventured out
0: um um, the, the furthest i ventured out was last summer we we did like a club trip to another club near Stuttgart. So we took about five planes and there were like 12 of us. And then during that uh, week, there was so good weather there. And there's, um, I've seen cloud bases up to like 3000 meters, like flight level 10. Technically I could have gone higher, but in Germany above flight level 10, Charlie airspace starts. So as a glider without a transponder, you're not allowed to go up there. And, uh, And on that day I flew all the way from Stuttgart towards east uh, toward uh, münchen uh, bavaria and uh, with an ls4 that was a great flight it's good fun and i ended up going only turning back because i ran out of chart so i had my stuttgart chart on me so when i reached the end of the chart uh, towards east towards munich towards bavaria i could have gone further but then They told me it's illegal to fly on a region where you don't have the paper chart with you. And then so uh, I turned back and that was about 400 kilometers on that day. That was very memorable flight that I really enjoyed that. And then that's when I really caught the cross country bug and I want to do more and more of this.
1: Yeah, I guess once you get out there and start exploring, it just makes you want to do it more. Yeah. What kind of birds do you have in your area or, or hawks? Have you flown with anything?
0: Okay, uh, you caught me. So I have no idea. <laughs> Just, uh, I'm from I'm from Istanbul. So Istanbul is a 50, Istanbul, Istanbul is a city of 15 million people. So my animal knowledge ends at, like this is a bird, this is a dog, this is a lion, and I can't really tell I can't really tell one bird from another bird. It's a big one, white one, gray one, and so. But I really remember the, the first time. I think I was one of my early solo flights. And I was thermaling, and suddenly I noticed there are like a few other birds thermaling with me in the same thermals. Like I think two or three of them, relatively biggish birds, but I have no idea what they're called. And I yelled. I was like, it was so exciting. I said, whoa! And uh, I really enjoy flying with birds because that's what I enjoy about gliding as well. Because I also been in some small Single piston planes, and there the engine is always in the front, so loud and vibration. It's it almost feels like you're uh, constantly going through checklists and like looking at this gauge or the other gauge. But with gliding, it's like it's a much purer form of flying. You're just out there in the nature, using the energy provided by the sun and the energy in the air uh, to fly. It's just like the birds, and most of the times together with the birds. That's that's great.
1: Yeah, you know, the power guys are avoiding the birds, of course, but we get to fly with them. I like that.
0: Yeah, but last year um, we had like an open door at the club. And when we have like a public open door day, um, there are a lot of people who want to also experience flying. So we do uh, normally any weekend somebody can come into our club. And if the weather is good and it's possible, we always give them a, a guest ride, right? But uh, on this open door, we also give a big discount on them and like, make advertisement into like, neighboring towns for this. So there are a lot of people doing that. And then I took uh, this young guy, maybe he's 18, 17, up. He's sitting at the back, I'm sitting at the front in the ASK21. And uh, it was a nice flight. It was like a weekday, it was not very strong. We had uh, half a meter up per second or about that. So we could stay in the air, but we could not really go up and while i was searching for terminals in the area this big bird comes towards us really head on and uh, sitting in front i saw it i thought hey pull out your camera there's the, there's a bird coming towards us and i also do because the, the the big bird was a bit Above us, and so I realized hey, that could get dangerous. So I uh, started diving, but really, the bird went uh, straight over our heads, maybe ten meters away. And that was also like a one very exciting moment. Oh,
1: very cool. so you would mention some stuff your glider port is doing to mm-hmm. help share the love of soaring. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you're doing?
0: Oh, what do we do? So we have always this open day, uh, open, at least once a year, we have this open door events. And we try to keep in connection with uh, neighboring towns and the other organizations like smaller clubs and stuff in the area so that we can organize things together. And so raise some awareness in the area we're based at. And then uh, with Berlin, we have a cooperation with a school where a few teachers there every year, usually around June, July, uh, organize a project with their uh, classes and take about 15, 10, 15 uh, students uh, for a gliding camp in our club. So uh, the students enjoyed us a lot. They're like um, high school students. Every year we get like one or two of them who decide to start their training and uh, stick with the club. So that's what we do.
1: Yeah, once they're usually exposed to soaring, they want to get back in the glider, they're definitely excited.
0: Yeah, but also being a relatively fresh pilot who just got his license about like one and a half years ago, it's also a lot of work, right? Getting your uh, license. I don't know how it's in the United States, but in Germany, it's very regulated. And then you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do your cross country, you have to like do your outlanding. So it's a very time consuming uh, process, especially if you're doing it uh, in a club where it's free, but takes more time.
1: Have you ever had any near misses in the air?
0: Not with another glider because in, like everybody is equipped with a, a cupid, uh, flarm in Germany. So um I don't I don't think it's legally required but de facto everybody has it. So you get a fair warning before uh, while you're flying. Uh, but I have not been in any competition so I don't know how it's like in this like big gaggle flights where 30 people are uh, trying to climb the same thermal. So I don't have this experience. But once I had a, like a uh, close encounter with a engine plane, two engine, uh, twin engine, like a uh, small private plane, and I was about maybe 100 meters uh, above below the cloud cloud base, and then suddenly, right at the cloud base, uh, my flarm goes crazy, beep, beep 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 beep, and then from the right, with 90 degrees to my uh, flight path, uh, comes this twin engine small uh, plane, and that's he's very fast right compared to a glider suddenly my flarm goes crazy and then uh, maybe 50 meters above me this like small private uh, plane crosses my path uh that was a scary moment because because he's a twin engine plane so much faster than you are i had not seen him at all he, he only like flarm going crazy uh, made me see him
1: do you think he saw you
0: i don't know to be honest i don't know if he was flying ifr or vfr um so i cannot tell because he didn't take an evasive action. (laughs) It
1: just
0: just whoosh, it was like,
1: whoa. It was not that
0: close that it was really dangerous, but it could have been, like, a few seconds of difference could have made that situation dangerous, right? So I guess we should all remember, always look out, try to see. One thing that made the situation a bit more complicated was also he was flying right at cloud base, and he also, like, a gray-white plane, so... He was hard to see as well for for me because I'm below the cloud, so he's flying right at the base of the cloud. It's, he was hard to see.
1: Yeah, camouflaged right in there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the questions I usually ask is, do you have any advice on how you can be a better and safer pilot? And of course, you mm-hmm. just gave me you just gave me one. But do you have another piece of advice you would tell? Yeah,
0: me? I don't know if um, the flight safety is something I think about a lot. So. I don't know why it's like I, I don't know if I'm different or if everybody's like this, but I think I try to see it as it's like a game. You can see it as a game, right? You can you take risk and things happen. Sometimes things work out. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you land out. Sometimes you have a great flight, but we should always be very very careful not to make mistakes or take risks that would mean game over, right? So watching our minimum. Don't get too uh, slow or too low, and always try to remember. It's not about like flying this kilometer or like going this high or like staying in the air so many hours and like flying this next greatest ship faster than somebody else. It's about at the end of the day, having fun and get to fly another day. So I always uh, remind myself, hey, maybe the thermals are not working this day today. So doesn't matter. I'll just like, back maybe try another lynch lounge if it doesn't work out then just like instead of trying to like really fly frustrated yeah i have to catch this thermal and I just like one 0.5 meter per second thermal i have to like go up and say hey just chill land let somebody else try with the club plane and enjoy the day and then try it another day
1: that's some great advice
0: thank you are there any people at your local club
1: maybe that have been instrumental in your learning and maybe someone you'd like to give a shout out to
0: First, I would like to give a shout out to Mang, who, my friend from uh, San Francisco, who made me find my club and start flying. So he gets a big credit. And then, of course, in my in in our club, there, we have great instructors, and without their support and help, uh, and then also the structure of the club providing with these great planes and allowing us to uh, fly at such infrastructure and like that's that's great the whole club FCC Berlin deserves the shout out and all the instructors there
1: I always like to ask this question because it's something we all dream about but if money was not an issue and you could choose any glider in the world to fly what would you be flying
0: I don't know I'm very happy with the LS4 (laughs) Um, but um, the biggest thing in my head when uh, looking at gliders is beyond performance am I going to be able to fit in comfortably Am I going to, like, fit in there and, like, sit there for five hours, six hours a day? That's the biggest question. And so far, I love the LS8. I love the Discos. They fly great. But so far, the most comfortable glider that I've been in is the LS4. I can fly the whole day in that thing and never feel cramped or uncomfortable. So I'm pretty happy with my LS4.
1: Yeah, I mean, comfort is definitely a big thing. People don't think about it. But after you're up there for a couple hours, you know, that, that becomes a big factor.
0: <laughs> I think it's also a very big factor for not only for performance, also for your safety as well. Um, I mean, especially if you are of a size like I am, where it really matters if you're comfortable or not, um, to be able to like really focus on safe flying and terminaling and everything, it Helps if you're not like preoccupied with your knees or back hurting or your head rubbing against the canopy So I think it's very important.
1: Have you been in any Maybe extreme weather conditions or or maybe situation where there was a thunderstorm Headed your way and you had to land
0: Um, Not quite, but I was once in a situation a close call where one of my early solo flights with Anastia and uh, the instructors called me. Hey, you have to land right now and the reason was there was like a thunderstorm coming in. And during my final, um, it started raining, and the, thund- the wind uh, of like coming off that uh, thunderstorm was so strong. Basically, it felt like my Astier during the f- final was just sinking like an elevator instead of like making way uh, above ground. It was very safe. It, I was high enough and everything went well, but that's when I felt, wow, that's that strong.
1: Yeah, something you don't want to mess with when that when those things start getting close.
0: No, not at all.
1: Ingen, is there anything you'd like to add?
0: No, uh, thanks for this opportunity. That was uh, great fun, and I really enjoyed talking with you, and um, I really enjoyed the podcast, and I enjoy listening to the podcast. Keep up the good work.
1: Thank you, Ingen. I definitely appreciate that, and we're going to keep track of your app that you're working on and put a link in the show notes here. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see how that's going to work out and it's going to be a great help i know to a lot of pilots
0: i hope so because that's something i built because i felt i needed and i hope it helps somebody else uh, in the similar situation
1: thank you Engin. thank you chuck thank you for joining us for another great guest here on soaring the sky if you want to interact with us on social media michelle will have all that info for you next so have a great week stay healthy stay safe and happy soaring
0: If you would like to say hi,
1: just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Or you can send us a note on the website, soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky. Music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Voiceover work was provided by Michelle Perez. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton.